if you ask a man if he can do something that he's never done before, he'll go stand in front of the mirror and he'll say, yep, I'm the man. But a woman will go stand in front of the mirror and she'll say, oh no, you know, this, you know, I don't have the right look. I don't, you know, I tried. And it's largely in my, from my point of view and to get around to answering your question, it's because of the way people are taught. It's cultural. And it is long-standing. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hi, I'm Pat Lynch, and um, I work with Women's Radio. And today, I'm going to talk about how we got that started on Sylvia and Me. Pat, thank you so much. Um, and, you know, you gave a little bit of an overview of, of what you do and what we'll talk about. But I think we can go back just a little bit and actually talk about some of the things that you have done. Because by the age of 25, um, you had already been a press secretary for a U.S. senator and a congressman. And then you started your own advertising agency in Atlanta, Georgia. During that time, you had a variety of different customers and you were also mentioned, uh, I believe it was at least two times on the world's uh, who's who of women. So how did you go from there to a few years later, 1996, just a couple of years later, (laughs) um, starting the Women's Online Media and Education Network? Why the focus on women? That's a really good question. Sometimes I'm not sure we have all the answers for the good questions. That's a good question. <laughs> but I, I knew when I came through, it was really difficult. Women were really just getting into business. Um, and most women thought it was a very big thing just to be a secretary in a big corporation. And they began to see that they could actually march up in the ranks, but it was very difficult for the first women who did that. Then at the same time, there were very few women entrepreneurs and it was a man's world. So you didn't have a good old girls club at that point to help you in any way. I was truly lucky. I was in a field in advertising and public relations where there were more women uh, in, as department heads. I work actually at a large regional agency. Now, and, I, I want to interrupt you for one second, because why do you think that was? Was advertising something that allowed, not just attracted women, but allowed women to have those types of positions? That's a really good point. I think advertising and public relations are are both highly communicative that were required skills and in communications and women are very communicative and they are also tend to be very artistic for lots of different reasons but that doesn't mean that every woman's an artist I understand I'm certainly not one but I was I really gravitated to public relations even in college you know they didn't even teach public relations where I went to college I had to teach myself And I went to work for the administration 
the last couple of years of college. And they didn't even have a press list. Can you imagine? You think everybody has a press list. Even <laughs> I have a press list, right? At a university, didn't have a press list. So I said, do you have this? And they said, no. I said, well, could I help and put one together? Ah, why not? You know, so I did. I wrote the very first press releases for the University of Tennessee. Can you believe that? Now, do I look that old? I ask you, don't answer that question. So, um Anyways, Louise. I, <laughs> <laughs> so you you just did something that seems so logical and filled a void that was never there. And people didn't even notice it being a void. And then that led me to begin to realize the opportunity of being able to write about a lot of different kinds of things. I didn't take advertising in college, but I did work for an agency in Atlanta that did both advertising and PR. I worked on the PR side, but as things would have it, I, I, I'm a workaholic and, and people who like people who like to get things done are gravitated uh, to you or help pull you in. Sure. And I, I attracted a guy who had some great skill sets. He was considered to be one of the best product PR people in the nation. And so he pulled me in on several projects and I began to learn. But again, not being able to do enough, I went to my boss's boss basically and said, I think I could really help you build a big PR agency, uh, but I need a little more authority because I would give these great ideas to, to my <laughs> boss, my immediate boss, and, and he didn't know what to do with them. So nothing ever happened with them. And it's discouraging to keep sure putting things out and not be able to do the work yourself to present and explain to people why it's a good idea for them, et cetera. Well, my, um, my boss's boss, who was executive vice president, did me the biggest favor in the world. It uh, didn't seem like that at the time. And he said, well, you know, your boss has been here longer and he <laughs> had a family. So maybe you should find another job. That's it. And he, and, and, and specific, and he has a family, which is just so, I, you know. It should be in a movie, right? <laughs> right. Well, I <laughs> was told that, I was told that, and I was a single mom, but because somebody else, a guy was married with children, I was single with children. Didn't the count. excuse for my not getting the same salary was he has a family. You should have heard my response. <laughs> I, I wish that, I'd been there. So that, as you said, you didn't realize it at the time was probably the best thing that ever happened. It, it was. And, and I, I um, let's just say it took a nightmare, but I woke up in the middle of the night one night saying, I've got to resolve this, this issue, whatever it is, and or I'll never get to sleep again. So I, it occurred to me that if I started my own agency, I'd probably fail, but then if I applied for a job after that, people say, well, you know, she's got a lot of gumption, you know, maybe something <laughs> there. So I, I didn't actually do it with the idea of succeeding. Although, you know, all the positive power of thinking people tell you, you must do it this way. It is good to be positive. Yes. Uh, I think I had friends who were positive. That's a big help. So they said, oh, you can do this. We have faith in you. I'm thinking, 
it's funny how you don't want to let your friends down. You know, you might let yourself <laughs> down, but you don't want to let your friends down. So I did things that I wasn't actually very comfortable with. I, I had to go get business then. I had to. It wasn't like a good idea I was spreading. I mean, I actually had to land business and then serve that client and make that work. And by grace alone, you know, I did those things. I just worked and worked and worked. And I made it a point of meeting people who had skill sets that I needed and learn from them. And, and they were so generous to help me and give me the paperwork I needed and show me the routines and the, the way they did things. And that's, and I, some, that's something that women are more apt to do. Like, we'll ask for directions, although now with GPS, um, and men really don't do that because they think it's a weakness. And you know, to, to some degree, some women do also, but women are more apt to ask for help. And what you just said is you went to people who had skill sets that you didn't have. That's right. You know, so, it, you, know you know the story. I know that this, this is an old joke, but I really love it. So if you ask a man if he can do something that he's never done before, he'll go stand in front of the mirror and he'll say, Yep, I'm the man. But a woman will go stand in front of the mirror and she'll say, Oh no, you know, this, you know, I don't have the right look. I don't, you know, I tried. And it's largely in my from my point of view, and to get around to answering your question, it's because of the way people are taught, it's cultural and yes. it is long standing. And it has taken a lot. Just think, I started my agency. I was the first woman to do that alone in the South. And there were 350 agencies in Atlanta alone. So not that many women, you know, were eager to go out and bust their jobs and right. <laughs> make it happen. Well, not, but, not, not that many women were willing to take the risk. There, well, women are very risk averse, but yes. you got you're going out into a sea where you really feel like there's a lot of opposition. That that no one is really. You've got all these people out there, and they're going to do business with each other, but they're going to turn around and look at you and say, <laughs> "You got her business? I don't think so." Right? So it it just takes uh, an overwhelming amount of courage. To, to do something in the face of all opposition, basically, or what you perceive to be opposition. And Sylvia, I promise you, I, I'm more amazed than anybody else that it actually worked. But apparently enthusiasm will win the day. <laughs> enthusiasm, perseverance. And, and um, so as you, were, uh, as you were succeeding and the business was successful, were you inside accepting the fact that, gee, I'm really good at this and, and getting rid of some of the doubt that you had um, and, and being more positive about it? I, it took a while. I promise you, it really took a while. But again, I, I, the universe, I think, really, is, is I tell my daughter, you know, I must have an angel sitting on my shoulder because I attracted people with exactly the right skills at exactly the right time. I, I attracted 
uh, the clients that I got who were very easy to work with, who really also believed in me and for whom I got good results. I worked really hard to get those good results. And the more information I got, the better I was able to be at doing the work and getting the results. Things kind of went from there. The other thing that happened is I began doing things I really enjoyed doing. And that was in real estate marketing. I really enjoy that. And I met, I have a wonderful mentor who is still one of my very dearest friends and um, who, who gave me a lot of help and good information and still does and still is very encouraging. And I think you've got to meet people like that along the way. So I was really lucky to meet some really good people. And so I what- think that, Sure. You want to give back after that, right? Sure. So you want to make the path easier for other people. Well, yes. And, and that also takes a lot because a lot of people are not willing to share. They're, they're so afraid that if they share the knowledge that they have, somebody else might come in and, and do it better or take over, or instead of, realizing that um, it's really okay because the more knowledge you put out there, the more knowledge you can, you know, it's talking to your competitors sometimes is one of the best things ever because yeah, they're competitors, but there's always something different and there's always something that everyone can learn from somebody else. Um, It's a strategy. Exactly. You You know, you're right. Earlier, everybody was afraid. People didn't do things that they could have done because they were so, they had these unfounded fears that if you let this person do this, well, there wouldn't, you know, then they'd never want anything else. This actually was, uh, happened to me. I came up with an idea for a very large event in Atlanta and um, by a miracle, we got it done. It was flawlessly good. We had such a good time. Somehow, don't ask me, I didn't have to do that part. (laughs) Um, we attracted Cher, who had come out with a uh, new record that went with the theme of the event, which was called the Rock and Roller Derby. So Cher had just come out with a, a song that was called Hell on Wheels. <clears throat> so somebody <laughs> on the team was able, I have no idea, <laughs> find a huge roller skate that would was the kind of thing that would roll in a parade. And she was in the top of the roller skate going down Peachtree Street, which some people may recognize as one of the biggest streets in Atlanta, singing all the way down. Fantastic. No, it was just a whole bunch of fun. We still talk about it. And this went into uh, the biggest park in, in Atlanta. And then we had free concerts with some really great bands, the first time they'd ever had anything like that. It was really great. And then that followed because we used to have something called the Chattahoochee raft races, but too many people drank beer and fell in the water and died. (laughs) 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 Oh my. So they got rid of that. And, and then this idea came. So the, the market was really ripe for doing something different, but when we were going to do it the second year, um, some of the guys 
were worried that they wouldn't get their share or some, something. I really don't know what their reasoning was. And they, they wouldn't do it again. Uh, it's really unusual to do something that large and have it be that successful and then not get the support from the very people who had said yes. So, but that's, you know, it, it doesn't always work out in the end, yeah. you know. But you had fun doing that. I had a lot of fun doing that. Right. So let's move on to your next thing, 1996, Women's Online Media and Education Network. How did you jump from advertising to this? The media. The media. Um, okay. Well, part of it is what I accumulated in doing the work, which was a knowledge that radio and TV were extremely powerful. Actually, in some ways, radio is even more powerful. And people are figuring that out now by doing podcasts. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them are just audio. They're not audio and video podcasts. But at any rate, it's the audio part that is actually the influential part. It's what you hear. It's a nerve that goes from the ear to the limbic system of the brain where you actually make decisions. Now, men like to think that they think their way all the way through things, but people that's not how people make decisions. They make decisions based on their emotions, and that is linked to your hearing. Isn't that interesting? It the is. first time I heard that, it just the light bulbs all went on. <laughs> but I but way back, you know, before then, when I was in advertising, I introduced, I was the very first person in the nation to introduce radio and TV to be used to promote real estate. Like all those developments, like the ones that your father bought into and so forth, they didn't, they only use newspapers for the most part. And that went on for a really long time. So the thought of you, I had a person who owned a lot of apartment buildings laugh in my face when I told him that husband. <laughs> Wait and see, right? So it worked. We we did amazing things because I knew how to put media together, particularly radio and TV. So I had used a lot of that and loved working in those mediums. Uh, so later on, and I'll, I'll have to tell you, there's a big gap that um, we don't need to get into basically. But I went through what many people would call the dark night of the soul. I, I came to a point where I realized that no matter what I might have done in advertising or how big I might have gotten or how famous I might ever be, that I would it would never be enough. What was it that I really needed to find? And so I spent time finding the answers to those questions, which are the, the best questions you, you can ask. Yes, Who am are. I? Yep. Why am I here? And where am I going? So by the time uh, 1996 came around, I was really, really listening for, okay, well, if it isn't this, what is my path? What am I here to do? What am I here to give? And um, I actually um, had like almost a vision where I heard that I needed to start a radio for women that women's voices needed to be heard. And when they began to speak up and they began to participate more fully in the creative process with men, that's when we could really begin to make progress in the world. That's when people would really come together and really 
be able to do wonderful things on the planet. I don't think we've seen that time yet, but no, I'm doing but my it's part. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're you're currently producing women's radio, um, and really, it provides a social media and and a platform for will women leaders and uh, nonprofits which serve women, uh, issues that affect women, children, and family. Um, What do you really, what do you see as uh, women really listening to? Uh, You know, I'm not talking what media, but what topics um, are they listening to? Well, Again, by uh, some little angel, I one of the very first things that happened was I got invited to go and cover um, something called State of the World Forum that was held in San Francisco. Well, I was living close to San Francisco at the time. It was perfect. It was the most exciting thing I've ever done. I've never attended any other event like it ever. And anyone who was outstanding in almost any area of life was there. Um, my favorite singer, John Denver, was there. Uh, Jane Goodall was there. Um, um, Stephen, um, the guy, the, the the physicist that wrote about oh. the stars and the cosmos, was there. Uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you. It's just like an intellectual uh, candy house. It was just wonderful. And at that location, uh, one of the speakers happened to be Dr. Paul Ray, and he had done a lot of extensive research about groups of people, especially in in the U.S., but this is also true everywhere at this point. So, of course, Americans started out as agricultural, an agricultural economy. So they were, they did that work, they they developed thought patterns. They thought in a certain way. The people that are farmers today really still think in those same patterns. Yep. So that's one group of people. And then you had the Industrial Revolution. So people thought in a new way. So that was the Henry Fords of the world and, and doing things online and having big manufacturing plants. And then there were the what are called the modernists. So that's actually coming into our adulthood, our adulthood. And um, so people, that's when people wanted to work for corporations and what's the latest management systems and so forth and so on. And then there was emerging uh, in the 60s, basically, a new group. And he called them the cultural creatives. Now he's written, he and his wife, Dr. Sherry Anderson, have written a book about the cultural creatives And that defines people by their values. Now, the interesting part from my point of view is that two thirds of those people are women, (laughs) right? And uh, they are the leaders. So here are some of the things that are at the top of their list. Well, obviously health, because women have to take care of their own health and then take care of everybody else. And you know this very well. Yes. Then... Because of the change that's happened in the meantime, business is very high on the list. So whether it's the business of a not-for-profit or a for-profit really doesn't matter. They want things to work and they are involved. 
they're, they are very concerned about the environment. They are very concerned about human rights. They, and of course that includes women's rights, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a whole list of values that he found or researched and determined that this group all hold on to, it doesn't matter where they are. And he determined that while at that point, and this was in 1996, 24% of the population were cultural creatives. They influenced so many more people. They influenced up to 44%. Now the cultural creatives themselves are a much larger group. Uh, things that you could only talk about in a small group. Now everybody's talking about like the environment, right? Everybody's talking about it now. And the younger people are really pushing it. And um, so it depends on what group of women you're talking about. But the women that I decided to go for are women 40 to 65, who almost every single one of them is a cultural creative. So I pretty well know the things that my audience likes to know about, like to know about. Okay. So what is on the top of the list? Is it health? It is, but business is really like a close second. Um, we're always in it. If you read a lot, you, you, uh, women say, well, how do I manage stress? Cause I still got to do this and I've got to do this. And, you know, they're constantly trying to find that balance. If you, if you just listen to, if you take this to the subway in or whatever, <laughs> and there are bunches of people and they get into a conversation, you'll hear a lot of people talking. It just, it is what's on top of their mind. So they may be focused on business a good part of the day, but then they probably have a family or they have people that they have to take care of. And at some point they say, when's my time? So they, they have learned that they have to take time for themselves and, in order to, to do all the other work. Well, definitely. And that's something that women, um, it's very difficult to to actually accept that that has to be done. Um, a lot of women feel guilty about taking any time for themselves, which is a horrible thing to, to have them feel because as you just said, it's a healthy thing to do. If you take time for yourself, you then have more energy and you're more capable of taking care of all the other responsibilities that are, are surrounding you on a daily basis, be it family, work, uh, no matter what, it's, it's there, it's stressful. Yes, you could do stuff that you really enjoy, but when it comes down to it, like you said, you're a workaholic, you know, it's, it's just something that is ingrained in us that, to step back and say, okay, wait a minute, this five minutes, this hour, this whatever time, it's my time. I've earned it. I need it. And so does everyone else. So you talked about one of the things you said at the very beginning was that when you started your agency, there were very, very few women entrepreneurs. There are many more women entrepreneurs today. Um, and a lot of it has come out of the need in order to work. They've had to, you know, as, as women, we've had to go into businesses, um, whether we ever thought we could, whether we ever thought about doing it, but 
the way things are, we have been, you know, a lot of us have been pushed into the fact. um, And there are very successful women entrepreneurs, but then there are, are somewhere, well, in today's day and age, is it, you know, as you said, women look in the mirror and start tearing things apart. Whereas men will go, aha, I can do it. How do you see women um, that you've interviewed um, on the radio show, how do you see them dealing with what's going on with business and and the fact that uh, a great majority of the people who are unemployed right now are women? And when it comes time to businesses actually coming back, um, as you said, you know, the perception is men have families and just like in the Great Depression and after World War II, um, men were offered the jobs and women had women to were leave. to leave. Well, actually, back in, I think it was the 30s, there was a law that married women could not work. Wow. And single women um, actually uh, could only work at the jobs that men wouldn't do, you know, like secretarial. Um, so where do you see this, this going? What do you hear from some of the women that you've talked to? You know, Sylvia, it's such a good question. I'm going to start asking your question to all the people I interview. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get, usually I'm interviewing people who are totally wrapped up in, in the things that they love to do. And we talk a lot about that, which is a great place to come from. But I really, I think the question you asked, uh, national broadcasters should be asking that question. And part of it is because we still have that enculturation and you can see it just in, um, we're not paid equally. If we were paid equally, we might be able to manage more, right? We might be able to get more, more things done, but still it isn't that way. No, yeah. and, 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 and can I ask you, because this always bothers the heck out of me, when they say that they're going to disclose, private companies aren't disclose what other people make. Now, maybe, uh, you know, uh, city jobs, federal jobs, state jobs, yes, they have a pay scale so they can, uh, they can publish it. You know, basically what they make, but a private company, I mean... IBM or Amazon or, you know, yeah. well, they're, they're smaller companies. Why should they, I, they don't want, uh, you know, Joe knowing what Mary makes or Mary knowing which I, it, it's, it's, it's an absurd um, concept that there's going to be so much transparency. And I'll tell you, just like, um, probably I'll get bashed for saying this, but as much as I, I love being an entrepreneur, I'm so grateful for the freedom that we have here to, to, to go at least try things. Right. Where that freedom isn't everywhere. No, it's not. Um, we, we, don't, we don't have the freedom we'd like to have, like the support and the freedom to everybody's, you know, everybody can try this and so forth. Let me help you, Mary Jo. Let me help you, Pat, whatever. Uh, maybe we don't have as much of that, but at least... We, we have uh, a playing field where you, at least you can make an effort. I think that's why a lot of immigrants realize that and they work so hard. They realize that they just apply a lot of effort, the wheelbarrow will push. 
But I think that we're at a crossroads right now in every sense of the word, uh, from the inside out. Uh, we're at the crossroads of whether we're going to let our entire infrastructure crumble, had been fixed since the 50s, bless their hearts. They could do it back in the 50s. Why can't we get together and and decide that if we don't do this, you know, all the water mains under our cities will corrode and, and burst and too bad. No, no water, no water. You can't flush your pot, potty anymore <laughs> and go brush your teeth anymore. Too bad for you. Uh, you'll probably have to move out of your, the high towers and go to the country somewhere. Uh, people don't think like that, but that's really, that's, that's where it is. So we've, you've got to be able to say, we must make these decisions now. That includes all the way to how we, we live our personal lives, how we help each other or we don't help each other. The more we can come to the middle and really do what needs to get done and help each other, really get over the competitive thing, the, the better we'll be. The sooner companies can see that the whole world will be better if they just be fair, just be fair, right? The better off everybody's going to be. Can you make them do that? Absolutely not. No. Not unless you pass laws, which then brings you to the point of view, well, maybe I should be more interested in how the government is run. Maybe I should get off the couch. You know, I work hard all day. It's true. And I'd like to have a little TV time, but maybe I should put that aside and pick <laughs> up this new thing. But but really, now is the time to make some big shifts and it will take extra work. Any shift takes the work. So. I'm really hoping that many, many smart women, instead of saying, oh, I've had it, taking care of kids, I'm taking care of husbands, I'm taking care, I, you guys go do it. You know, I need a rest here. I, it's no time to rest. No, you can still take that hour to yourself, but right. you can't put your head in the sand because no, um, no matter what, we're the ones who are going to um, bear the brunt of it. When it comes right down to it, uh, we are going to bear the brunt of it. So your message out there to women is take a look around. Take and, 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 and really take a look at the future and realize that there's a place for you in that. Now's the time to move forward. If you ever thought you moved forward before, now's the time. And we can't we can't be sedate. We can't just sit back and, and because we've seen what happens when we do. Forget about it. It's not. It's not a good thing. It's not a pretty picture. <laughs> it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> so, what? I know you have a number of projects. Tell us about what you're. Tell us about a couple of the projects that you have uh, that you're working on now. I'm going to try and do this quickly because I'm sure I'll bore too many people otherwise. But I had been working on a novel for a really long time. Here I write for lots of other people for lots of other reasons. But I couldn't seem to get my own novel finished. So actually in 2019, I was given the time. This, let's say like a little miracle, I had more time. I finally finished the novel. I mean, it just really took a lot of perseverance, more than starting the agency. But I got it through. And I finished it in February of 2020. Just before COVID. <laughs> oh, yeah. So just at the time that I was ready to go find all the answers about how to the best way to get it published and how to get it out and really focus myself on my own project, um, I, it was all that was closed up. 
you know, the publishing houses saying, ah, right, no, no more room here, and we can't bring our authors out that are getting ready to come out in March, and you know, and and then filmmakers, filmmakers had to, you know, a lot of location work. Oh, they couldn't do that, you know, no place is safe. Uh, obviously, some people went ahead and did some things. They just tried and to find very, very safe places to do them. So it's not like it, w- it was 100% closed down, but those industries were pretty much closed down. Yes. Uh, just at the wrong time for me and many other people. Now, you may know this already, probably more readers and more book buyers are women and also more authors. So they don't they're not part of the good old boys club so they don't often get pulled in and treated royally for their talent and so forth so a lot of them are self-published but they still have to get out there and a lot of the means to get out there were closed so I began thinking about all this how there must be some way to do it in a brand new way uh, which is when I came up with an idea called creatives connect live so part of what I saw was what was holding things back anyway were all the gatekeepers. Well, isn't that usually the way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I thought you need to create something that will allow people to get together and meet without the gatekeepers. So I I still am tweaking that just a little bit, but I've, I've spent like a year doing the research and we're going to bring that site and that service out soon. My partner got inspired and he's a trader and he thought, oh, what a great idea. I, I could do this. So he's actually bringing out a new service and a new site called Discover Wealth. And I'll tell you that I, the inside information, that a lot of what he's doing is going to be directed to women because women need to feel like they can, they can learn something and they can do something and do it well, but they need the the information in a way that they can understand it and that they can say, oh, I see that. He's doing that part. Then I've got several other ideas that I want to bring out. I just need a little more time. (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? It's it's a very aggressive list. Uh, So before we end, Pat, where can people find you? Oh, thank you so much. Well, at Women's Radio, which is very simply, womensradio.com. If you want to write me personally, my direct email is womensradio at gmail.com. And um, that, um, no matter no matter what we set up, um, you'll find me there. I'm also on LinkedIn, on Facebook, although I have to say I don't, I don't check Facebook very often. But I am, I check LinkedIn quite often. And uh, so that's a good way to connect as well. Pat, I want to thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for asking me. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Join me next week when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. Today's podcast is sponsored by Upper Deck, the national full-service virtual gym that has reinvented the at-home workout experience. Upper Deck has more than 30 strength and cardio classes a week. 
Named Best Fitness Club in the Gold Coast for 2020, Upper Deck brings the gym to you with live coaching and motivation. Upper Deck's unique classes are interactive. They have two coaches, one leading your workout and one keeping her eyes on you, providing feedback and encouragement in real time. For a free week of unlimited virtual classes with no strings attached, email info at UpperDeckFitness.com and let Upper Deck know you're a Sylvia and me listener. This has been a Life of Prey production.